All right. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our study today on Second Peter. And um, today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be moving into chapter 2. And um, Peter is moving from the very important point that he was making in the last few weeks of establishing God's word as the absolute truth that everything is based on. If you're a Christian, there is no other truth that we, that we go to, no other book that we go to. There is not a help book to this. There is not a study guide to this. There is not a book of anybody's name to this. This is the Holy Bible, and this is the truth of God's Word. And Peter did a great job in the, over this chapter 1 making, every, making sure that everybody understood that it is the only source of our truth. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, I hopefully you've seen that as well. So today he's going to go and he's going to begin the hard work, the hard work beginning in chapter 2 of uncovering the false teachers and the false prophets of his day that were infiltrating the church. And so today we're going to title this Uncovering False Teachers and False Prophets. And this is where the real work begins. Because first... Remember, these churches are all scattered all around Asia Minor. They're not in his hometown. They're all over the known world at that time. So he's writing this letter, and this letter is intended to go from church to church to church. And each church is supposed to study it, read it, pass it on to the next church. So it's, a, it's, it's like um, early church internet. <laughs> but first, he has to acknowledge, before we can uncover a false prophet or false teacher, we must acknowledge that they exist. That there is false teaching. There was false teaching, and we need to acknowledge it and recognize the fact that there are things that are being said out there that oppose God's word. No matter what it might sounds like, sound like, if it doesn't go to the full nth of God's word, it then opposes it. So if it was opposing it then, how much more can it, is it opposing it today? So Peter had to take the hard task now, the hard work of going out to uncover these false prophets. And this, is, this was not the fun part of being a disciple. This was not a fun part of being an apostle. Because you've got to remember, you've got to imagine that to many, to many in the church that Peter was writing to, many of them might have misunderstood what he was saying. And, and many might have taken offense to what he was saying because Peter, they might have thought Peter was talking about them. And that happens today, too. When a pastor brings a strong word or truth, people can get offended real easily because he, they're thinking that the pastor is pointing them out. Now, here's the thing. If there is something in you that needs to be pointed out, then let it be pointed out. If, it's, if you're okay with it, if, if it's not about what you're having issues with, then don't worry about it. But don't be offended over it. And so Peter was not the most popular guy in the church that time because he was uncovering false prophets. And we know that anything false doesn't like to be uncovered. Anything that's untrue wants to stay hidden. Amen? Let me give you a little example that we might be able to associate with a little bit. Now, I'm not making this a political message, but I think we all can appreciate the strength of President Donald Trump for the way he has stood and is continuing to stand against the untruth of the political world today. Amen? 
and I'm not comparing Donald Trump to Peter. <laughs> I'm not saying that he is a modern-day Peter, or L, but I'm saying that the man has enough courage and confidence in his message to stand up to it, no matter what the political opposition against him will do. And there's not many people in this world that will do that, even from the pulpit. And that's the problem. And that's the problem America is facing because we are so afraid of people's opinions. We're so afraid of what people think of us that we're afraid to stand on God's word as our source of truth. I know that dealing with conflict is not everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody likes to address an issue. For some people, they love conflict. I mean, I, I, th- I think Donald Trump kind of likes it. <laughs> In fact, I think sometimes he's his own worst enemy. I wish sometimes he wouldn't like it so much <laughs> and maybe stop talking a little bit because I think he causes more problems sometimes. You've got you to gotta know when to stop. Stick with your notes. Stick with your teleprompter. <laughs> and, um, but at the same time, there are people that are afraid of conflict. And that they will do anything they can to avoid it. They will run from it. They will hide from truth. They will hide because they don't want to deal with it. They'll do everything they can to avoid it at all costs, even to the point of ignoring it. Now, who's the better person? Who's the better person? A person that looks for conflict or the person that avoids it at all costs? Can I say that neither one? Can I say that we have to be able to find that middle ground, that truth that we have to stand on, that we have to pick the hill we're going to die on and be willing to die on it, but don't go building your own hill just for the sake of building a hill, right? And and I think that for many of us, there's a lot of reasons, there's a lot of little hills out there that we can start dying on right now, and I'm not sure they're the right hill or not the right hill. But I have a feeling that we're starting to climb the hill. I, I'm feeling that the church is starting to climb the hill that we're going to die on eventually. And that when it comes to religious freedoms, we will die on that hill. There is no man that's going to walk into this church to tell me what I'm going to preach or not preach. Amen. So looking for conflict creates problems. If you're looking for it, it creates a lot of unnecessary stress and unneeded turmoil while at the same time, avoiding conflict at all cost is just as stressful. <laughs> because there's that big, let me say it, elephant in the room that is just crushing everybody, and we're afraid to talk about it. So let's be wise, and let's be discerning about what is the right hill to die on, what is the right thing to take a stand on, and then when we find it, let's stand on it. Amen? Am I making sense? Still hanging with me here? So Peter is beginning in chapter 2 to do the hard work of protecting the church from the evils of false teaching. Recognize what he's doing. He's protecting the church. He's not trying to stir it up. He's not trying to make people upset. He is protecting those that are innocent children of God. That's That's a great work to be doing. But I want to remind you, I want, before we jump into the text, I want to remind you, first of all, to, to recognize that Peter's audience here is that Peter is writing to the church. 
not about the church. He's writing to the church about the false prophets and the false teachers. He's going to get into some things that are going to be really, really hard, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to make people a little bit up nervous because we don't like it when people start calling out truth. I remember when I was working in, at, at Rockwell Automation, I was a relatively young salesman at the time, and I had an older gentleman that was helping me. I called on the Ford Motor account, and we had a strategic alliance that we were doing with Ford, and it was pretty high level. I mean, I was working with vice president, and actually I had the president of Rockwell then a couple times to talk to some vice presidents at Ford. So it was pretty high level stuff for just a young salesman. And so I had a guy that was kind of assigned to help me. And um, we had some snafus, and it wasn't going real well. And so my district manager, Mike Kluber, he still brings shivers when I say the name. <laughs> I love you, Mike, but, man, this guy was tough. Mike Kluber called myself and this other gentleman into his office, and he started to address the issue. And I didn't realize how, how direct a man can be in the business world, but he just undressed this man in front of me, and it was stressful. I sat there with my mouth open. I just, I mean, literally, I was just astounded by it. And this guy was so, I mean, Mike might have gone overboard just a little bit. Maybe. I mean, he had this guy, this guy was probably in his 50s, almost in tears. And when the guy left, Mike called me over and he said, I want you to know that I wanted you to learn from that. I wasn't directing, I wasn't directing it at you. I know it was uncomfortable, but he had the responsibility and he had the experience to know better, to let you wander off. You're a young guy. I appreciate that. So he gave me a, he gave me a, that was a great learning lesson. And it, it, it scared me. <laughs> I mean, I was intimidated from thereafter about trying to, you know, and not that you can't make a mistake. Don't, don't get me wrong. We're going to make mistakes all the time, but that was just a learning lesson. And, and so for the church here, when Peter is going to come at the false teachers, he's going to come at him, them very directly. And it's going to make us a little bit nervous, but don't worry about it because he's not addressing you. He's addressing the false prophet and the false teacher that needs to be directed with directly, head on, right? So let's just get that to our, into our mind. Okay, so turn in your Bible, if you would, to 2 Peter. We're going to begin in the second chapter, 2 Peter, and we're going to get through the first three verses, I hope. <laughs> I said I, I, I don't rush through these just to do it as a game, but anyway. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Read it with me. But there were also false prophets in, uh, in Israel, just as they are among you, as just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring a sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would help us discern your word today, that you would give us uh, all that we need to hear, that you would instruct us, and that our eyes would be opened, that our spiritual lives would be alert to what is happening around us, and that we would be able to discern the evil, love people, love people, but discern the evil, and that we would be able to stand on your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter starts off with the word but. 
but there were also false prophets. Well, but what, we must ask. <laughs> what, is he, what is he butting here? <laughs> so remember, the Bible wasn't written uh, with chapter markers and verses, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't written that way. So to keep the context, we need to go back to chapter 1 and get caught up on what Peter is saying. So Peter is making the contrast here between the truth of God's word and the untruth of the false teachers. He ends chapter 1 this way. Chapter 1 of first, uh, Second Peter, the last two verses, says this. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. So re remember, we spent the last couple weeks reminding ourselves of the absolute truth of God's Word. Everything in it was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and everything is, that's read from it is also to be read with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He will carry us along on the writing of it and the reading of it, and there is no private interpretation thereof. No man can come to you and say, I have the secret knowledge. I have the secret interpretation that, that no other man has. If that man comes to you or if that woman comes to you, Run away as fast as you can because that is a sure indicator of a false prophet. Because all interpretation of God's word is common to men as brought to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So when Peter says that, then he says, but there were also false prophets in Israel just as there will be false teachers among you. So Peter now is making a historically correct statement. He's saying that there were false prophets in Israel, meaning that false prophecy and false teaching is not new or unique to the early church. That the devil has been duplicating and twisting God's truths forever. Forever, beginning in the Old Testament, beginning, on the, beginning in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> I mean, the first words we have recorded of the devil are, did God really say... From the very first words he ever spoke, he was questioning God. So it's a serious accusation, isn't it? It's serious to have false teachers and false prophets. But maybe we should take a minute here and define the difference between a false prophet and a false teacher. There are some differences here. Both are extremely dangerous to the church, and both are equally detestable to God. God cannot stand either one. False teaching and false prophecy is probably God's number one um, hang-up, if God has a hang-up. It's probably God's number one mission is to destroy false teaching and false prophecy because they're promoting the fact that they're speaking for him. And they're not. They're speaking for themselves. So what is a false teacher? A false teacher, let's define it, a teacher... A teacher, in the biblical sense, is one who desires to teach others about God. All right? That's what a true teacher is, biblically. A false teacher, though, is one that is claiming to teach others about God, but is instead leading people astray because the message they are teaching is not 100% accurate, according to the Bible. I didn't say that it was all inaccurate. It wasn't 100% accurate. 
key word here because teaching, false teaching, doesn't come out necessarily with a false pre uh, su supposition. It normally comes out with a very good-sounding promise. But then it, somehow through the teaching, it gets twisted. All right, so a false teacher is one that is twisting the message of God's word. Now, a false prophet, a prophet is, from a biblical perspective, a prophet is one that hears from God through the Holy Spirit and speaks to the people either of future events or godly wisdom or godly warning. All right, a false pro a prophet normally would, it, it, there are times, and I mean, the Old Testament is full of prophets that are foretelling things that are going to happen. And why is that important? Because when if something is foretold hundreds of years before and it comes to bear exactly as they foretold it to be, you know there's truth in that writing. So it's important that we have that kind of prophecy. There's also godly prophecy that is just giving good positive direction in your life. And then there's also godly prophecy that is a stern rebuke and a stern warning. And I will say that probably if a prophet is true, he will not rebuke you in public. He will take you aside so that it's not to humiliate you unless you're a false prophet. I mean, that's a different one. If you're the false prophet, he probably will humiliate you. But, but if, it's, if you're just a person that is doing your best and maybe you're erring in some ways, a true prophet will be discerning that in your spirit. And probably if he's doing it godly, he'll come to you as a brother or a sister and say, hey, can we talk privately? Because I'm seeing some things that I just want to know if you're okay. My, my advice is listen to that person. When they come to you in that way, they probably come with love and they probably come with an arm around you to help you through that situation, not to beat you down with it. Amen? A false prophet is one that is claiming to be a prophet of God but speaks out of their own flesh. A false prophet can, can also be a false teacher of sorts So we have to beware that the man that comes to you and says, the Lord told me to tell you, I think that should maybe throw up a red flag. The Lord told me to tell you something. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't tell people to tell you something. But can I just give an indicator of the way I looked at this, my personal advice on this, is that if somebody, if the Lord, and I've had men or women come up to me and tell me things like that, but if it doesn't ring true in my spirit that God has already revealed it to me, and that is an affirming word, I probably won't listen to him. I probably will be polite and say thank you and move on. But if they say the Lord has told me to tell you and it hits home and they're reading my mail, because I've had people read my mail too, and when it is revealing something in me that the Lord is already dealing with, that I'd be wise to listen. Make sense? So we have to be careful what and who we allow into our lives to feed us things. But remember, if they're the first one telling you, and if God hasn't already told you, you probably should run. If somebody says, you know, God told me to give for you to buy me a Cadillac. He did tell me, Christine, for you to buy me a Cadillac. <laughs> you laugh, so it must have been to you. 
No. No, if, 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 if that's, see, that's the kind of stuff that, and we see it all the time happening today, don't we? And they're doing it for, they're doing it for gain. They're doing it for their own personal gain. And, and we just know that's not right, right? So just, that we just need to be careful of that. So we need to understand that a false prophet and a false teacher, they're very dangerous because they come in a way through reputable sources most of the time. They come in from the church most of the time or a church world of some type. So we just have to be careful that we don't allow them, allow them in to hurt us. Now, I also want to say that we can make mistakes. All right. Um, Pastor Rip can make a mistake. I can make a mistake. Right. But that doesn't mean that I'm a false teacher, nor is Rip. We make mistakes. So you got to give people grace. We're just people. Right. We, we're doing the best we can. And if we make a mistake, then we'll know we've made a mistake, too. And we'll do what we have to to correct it. We won't let it go unchecked. Because if we do that, then maybe that is the mark of a false prophet. Most, pro- most false teachers and prophets, most false teachers don't, probably don't start out with that in, as an intention. They probably start out fearing God. They probably start out really maybe even right in many areas. But it's the slow process of beginning to lose the fear of God. And they exchange it with the approval of men that begins the false prophet journey, false teacher, the, the, the journey of the false t- t- teacher. Um, and I think that many ways, I, I think that, I mean, I can see it I, as a pastor of 10 or 11, 12 years now, coming from an engineering world, um, I can see the tendency of how easy it is to be swayed by the opinions of people versus sticking to the truth of God's word. These people that, are thinking that, well, God really isn't really saying that for today. I mean, he might have said it then, and it might have been appropriate in the day that he was writing it, but, but things are changing. Uh, it, it's, we're different people today in 2020. We, we don't need to hear that truth. And so maybe what they're trying to do, maybe they even think they're, they're helping God out to be politically correct. God needs a little help here to be politically correct because his word is a little bit too stern. So it's my job now to kind of make it correct for you, right? I mean, that's how it starts. And, and I know that because I stand in front of a congregation every week. And so what I do and other pastors do, they're reading the congregation and they're reading, you know, the things that make you happy <laughs> and the things that kind of step on your toes. And so it's very easy for us to say the things that we're affirmed in and to avoid the things that we're criticized in or that we're taken to task on, right or wrong, right? I mean, so it's, I can see how the influence here of, uh, of a man that is standing before people and he's trying to be a friend can make him or cause him to either avoid a passage of Scripture or to maybe teach it a little bit differently. It's kind of like being a good parent. You know, a, a, there's a responsible parent and a good parent. We were taught that, right, Chris, by Jan McKee when we were living in Brighton and we were raising children. And, and a, a good parent is a parent that knows how to discipline. I'm sorry. A responsible parent is one that knows how to discipline. A good parent says, well, honey, dear, 
I just want you to be happy. You know, I, I don't want to do anything to challenge you. I, I want to be the good parent. I want to be your friend. I, I'm afraid you're not going to like me if I tell you no as a dad. And see, dads, yes, we cannot be afraid to be our, our child's dad. And you may not always be his friend. You may be the disciplinarian. You may be the one bringing him a rebuke. You may be the one saying no. And he might not like you for a season, but he still loves you because you are, in fact, you're proving your love to him because you are saying no to some things that you know aren't good for him. Don't worry about not being their friend all the time. Tough love's a big deal, and it's really important. But a false teacher, in their greed, verse 3 says, in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. And boy, don't we see that today. I mean, I, uh, I don't want to just make a, blow, a, a, a broad statement that all TV evangelists are bad. I'm not going to say that. But I think we all have had experiences with them where they just seemed a little bit questionable. Too much about give me your money and, uh, and I'll promise you a blessing. Too much of the prosperity teaching, I think, can be really uh, damaging to the true word of God. And I'm not saying that it's not right to give your money to the church. In fact, there's a giving box back there. But we don't, do, we don't preach to, give you to, to, to get you to give more money. That's not the point. The point is when we truly understand a teaching on tithing, which we'll do another day, that it really is to your benefit to be a tither. It really is to your benefit to be a generous giver because we cannot outgive God. And that's a, a, a great message for another day. But my definition, though, of a man that is becoming a false teacher or a false prophet is a man that is becoming more afraid of what men say about them more than what God says about them. You see, and it's not the big lies that make the difference. It's not the big lies. It's the little ones that get us off course. In fact, I want to do a little object lesson here because um, you can say the vast majority, I'm going to say even 99% truth, but only a 1% error will get you off course just a little bit. So I'm going to try this to give you an object. I've got my rope here. I love this rope. Rip, would you help me? You give enough man, you give a man enough rope, and he's going to hang himself. Would you take and go to the, over there? Take that end, yep. Take that end and just take it over there. And what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, um, the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. Okay. All right, Rip. So we're going to hold this nice and straight. Go over, go over, yeah, over there as much as you can. Okay. Now let's hold this nice and straight. All right. Now this is the truth of God's word. All right. Now, if I just go this much, okay, you got to go, you got to keep it straight, Rip. Keep going. Keep going, Rip. Keep going, Rip. Keep going. Okay, right there. Now, perfect. I didn't have to turn much here. And look how far he went over there. All right, I just had just a little, go, I'm, I'm just make, keep that line straight. Oh, perfect. All right, so just that little bit of a tweak here, and you see how much he has to move? And that's just in this room. Imagine if it's, thank you, imagine if it's a lifetime that you have that little twig to be wrong on. How far are you going to miss the mark? It doesn't take, thank you, it doesn't take a lot, it doesn't take a big lie 
to get you in the wrong direction. I guess the whole chase of the matter here, the whole crux of the matter, is a man that is teaching the truth of God's word fears the wrath. Hear me, hear me. Fears the wrath of God more than the scorn of men. Because there is a wrath coming on a false teacher. There is a wrath coming from God on a false preacher. James chapter 3, verses, uh, where is it at? Uh, Whatever, it's there someplace. James chapter 3, verses 1, verse 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. If that doesn't scare a pastor or a teacher, then he's a false teacher. If that doesn't put a little trepidation in every time you get behind the pulpit or every time you get with a friend or every time you sit down over a cup of coffee to have a conversation, if that doesn't intimidate you a little bit, then then probably that's a good indicator that you're going down the path of false teaching because you've lost the fear of God. Amen. Let's go back to the historical fact that Peter was talking about the false prophets. Because in the Old Testament, there were false prophets. There were many cases where there were false prophets. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Jezebel. These false prophets had the power of Satan behind them, but they were false and that they weren't godly prophets. So there's historical facts here. Ezekiel chapter 13, the first three verses. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the false prophets of Israel who are inventing their own prophecies. Say to them, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. What sorrow awaits the false prophets who are following their own imaginations and have seen nothing at all. Powerful admonitions, powerful warnings against the false prophets of the Old Testament. But Jesus even talked about false prophets. In in Jesus' life, in fact, we're going to find the first major cover-up in the church came in the life of Jesus. I want to set the stage here as I, before I read this next passage, but this is, a, this is Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus on the third day after his death. This is a resurrection Sunday. The earthquake rolled the stone back. The guards guarding the temple were killed. Jesus leaves the tomb victorious over death. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary ran to the tomb. They went to the tomb to anoint his body with spices and things. They didn't know he was alive. They got there only to find the tomb opened up and Jesus not there. And then this is where I want to pick it up in Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. And this is the original cover-up of all time. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests, what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, 
and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe, money, and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. This is why the Orthodox Jewish faith does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, because the day that he rose, the lies already started. They were rewriting history in the day of the history. <laughs> so is there any surprise that the political left is rewriting history today? I mean, it started then. That's the original cover-up, that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. The, the disciples came and stole his body. He's still dead. That's what they wanted people to know. They covered it up, and that was the beginning of false teaching. That was the beginning of many false prophecies get, starting the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So it's no wonder that we're still rewriting history today in our classrooms today by the, by the political left that is progressive, that is going towards total Marxism. They are, not, they are not writing history correctly. And we need to recognize that and stand against that because there is a rewriting of history going on in our country even. And from this original cover-up is where the false teachers came. And here's a very important point about anything that's false. Anything that is false or untrue, it's the only way, listen, this is so important, it's the only way the enemy can effectively battle God. See, Jesus, or I'm sorry, the devil tried to overthrow God in, the, in heaven. And God said, no, you're not having it. No way, you're, you're out. He cast him out. That was the devil's frontal attack to try to overthrow God. And when he knows that he can't overthrow God, now he's going for the next best thing, which is you and me. And the only way that he can really battle us is through untruth. And so he uses untruth as a weapon. Very subtly, very deceptively, he comes and he uses that. And, uh, and he will use it to, without rules. <laughs> there, this is the knife fight without rules. <laughs> because the devil will not stop at anything. He will not stop at anything to try to deceive people. And, 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 and false teachers that are fully in the camp of the enemy will not stop at anything. They're vicious. They're, they're, they're vile. They're detestable to the Lord. And that's what Peter is getting ready to say. The question I have is for any, for any person that is sane, <laughs> any person that has a mental capacity whatsoever, why would you want to, to choose death when you know you could have life? Why would you want to choose death and eternal destruction when you know you could choose eternal life? The only reason I can say why they would choose that is because they don't know what they're choosing up front. The deception is so good. It's so subtle. It looks so good up front. I don't think there's any person here that truly wants to live in hell. I don't think so. A lot of them don't believe it. Why don't they believe it? Because they've been deceived that it doesn't, that it's not real. So if hell's not real, then heaven's not real. So therefore, there's no morality. 
It's, it's whatever you feel. Do what you want to feel good. Do feel good for the moment because that's all that matters. Live for the gusto of life, right? That's Satan's best enemy. That's his best trick. He's either to get you to believe nothing or to believe he's behind every rock. Don't, he'll go, he, he goes to all extremes. He, he will either get you to believe that nothing is wrong or everything is wrong. And he'll, that you're chasing devils every place you look. Oh, it's a devil. It's a devil. It's a devil. Any extreme is wrong. We've got to stay in the middle. We've got to stay in the truth of God's word. And we've got to make sure that we're, we're hearing what God is saying at the truth, not at the extremes, not at the fringes. Because the fringes of both camps are dangerous. Truth will always prevail. Let me just say that. Truth will always prevail, but those who choose not to accept the truth will be destroyed with Satan and the demons because at the end, that's what they're choosing, whether they realize it or not. That, that's the thing that I, I'm so concerned about with our country today is that those that are, that are choosing to go the political left, and let me just say this, and I'll be done with political stuff, but... The Democratic Party today is not what it was 20 years ago. There could have been Democrats 20 years ago that it could have been good Christian people. But I heard a Catholic priest say this. And if a Catholic priest is say it, then I'm going to say it. He said, you cannot be Catholic and be a Democrat. When you look at the Democratic platform of abortion, same-sex marriage, everything they're believing in, you cannot be a Catholic, and I'm going to say it a little bit further. You cannot be a Christian and vote for a Democratic Party that believes the platforms that they believe today. It's a different world today, guys. It's not the same as it was 25 years ago. It's different. It's progressive. It's so far to the progressive left, it's not even recognizable as the same party. The devil is a liar. It's all he can do is lie. John chapter 8, verse 44. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always has hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So let me ask the question, what is a lie? Anything that's not true. <laughs> Anything that's not true is a lie. There is no such thing as a white lie. There is no, and there's nothing there that you can say, oh, that's just a white lie. No, it's a lie. It's a lie. And you know, what, you know where liars go? Not a good place. Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice, practice magic arts, the idolaters, and listen, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Do you see the list of people, evil people that liars are associated with? A murderer, a sexually pervert that preys upon children, pornography, or a witch that opens, openly worships the devil through their magic arts, and more. And these people 
are so vile that we know they're going to hell. I mean, that's pretty obvious. I don't think any of us are going to say that person is a good person. But look who's associated with them. The man that speaks a little white lie or exaggerates the truth. We have to recognize how dangerous false teaching is at the very beginning because as that little example that Rip and I did, just a little bit here makes a long way off there. And we can't allow any of it to come in intentionally. Now, that's not going to say you're not going to make a mistake. And I just want you to know that. We're going to make mistakes. And when you do, correct it. When you do, repent. That's how we keep our relationship with Jesus pure is that we, we repent on a regular basis. It's not a once saved, always saved. I was saved when I was 12, therefore I'm, I'm good for the rest of my life. No, I need to repent every day. I, I need to come before the Lord on a regular basis. And nobody knows that better than my family. Nobody knows that better than the woman sitting over there that I can't say her name. Because she knows that I'm not perfect. And I have to come on a regular basis and say, I, I, I'm wrong. And I, we all do. We all do. We're, none of us are exempt from that. It's not hard to pick out someone that's blatantly evil, but recognize that a, that a false teacher doesn't come with a name tag. He doesn't come and says, hey, I'm Mike Way, false teacher. <laughs> you know, they're, they're hard to pick out. And the next, as we continue on here, the next few weeks, we're going to understand, we're going to learn more about what is a false teacher. How can we recognize them? And what is their plight? And we're going to see Peter being very direct with Jackie. If you would come, please, you and Tom, you can start uh, telling me to stop. The, more, the quicker you play, the quicker I'll stop. So. <laughs> this is dangerous stuff, folks. Being a false teacher is a dangerous thing. And I want to end this message today with a warning directly from Jesus about the dangers of, of false teachers and false prophets in the church. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. Verses 15 through 20, he says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Your actions matter. What I do matters. What you do matters. How you live in this life matters because people are looking at your fruit and saying, I can either trust you or I can't trust you. You're either a false teacher or a false or a true teacher. You're either a good Christian or you're a carnal Christian. It, it, it comes down to all levels here. None of us escape this. None of us can walk away and say, it's not, that's, I'm not a teacher, so this isn't for me. Yes, it is for you. And Peter is saying this to the church. Really, remember, he's saying this to the church not to try to condemn the church, but to tell the church to be wary First of all, of those that are there that are false teachers, and then also just be careful yourself. Just be careful that you, you, you don't start off good and kind of end up bad because maybe you took a little deviation here of your life. That's a good, that's a good word. 
I want to say that Jesus loves you. And Jesus loves me. And I am so thankful that he does. Because he wants us. He wants us to be, to stay in the center point of his life. He wants us to be um, biblically correct, not politically correct. He wants us to be biblically on point. Even if it might go against the political world a little bit, he'll cover for you. He's got your back. Believe me, he's not going to leave you hanging. If you're trusting Jesus with all your heart, and if you may be pushing the envelope with the political world a little bit, don't worry about it. If you're biblically correct, he'll cut, he's got your back. And I, I, I am so thankful for that. You see, it may be politically correct to tell people, for people to say that God is love and that he loves every person the same. Is there truth in that statement? Let me read it again. It's politically correct to say that God is love and that God loves all people the same. Not a trick question. That's a correct statement. But let me ask you the question, but is it enough? Is it enough for God to love you to save you? No. God's love cannot save you unless you ask for forgiveness of your sins because of the blood of Jesus. So his love covers all people. But it's not the love that saves. It's the forgiveness. It's the blood that saves. It's the blood of Jesus that saves me. It's not God's love. God's love sent Jesus to be the sacrifice so that his blood could cover my sins. So it's politically correct to say that God loves all people, but it's not enough to save them unless they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's why we need to be true teachers. That's why we need to know the Word of God and be able to speak it to our friends and our family and to live it out so that we can have fruit that bears fruit, good fruit. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just come to you now in Jesus' name, and I just ask you to help us. Because, Lord, these, these are confusing times we live in. And sometimes it's just hard to pick out, really, the, the true truth. But I know that if we're asking the Holy Spirit to be our discerner, that's one of the things that you do for us, is that you go before us to protect us from anything that would be false. So, Father, I just surrender to you. And I, as a pastor of this church, submit to you that this whole church would surrender to you that we would follow your truth and your truth alone, no matter how good the false truth might look like at the beginning, no matter what it might promise us at the beginning, that I pray that you give us discernment to see through it to the very end, to make sure that we're in the narrow road, that we're walking through the narrow gate and walking on the narrow road that leads to eternal life, and that we don't fall off to the broad road and that leads to death and destruction that many are on. That fact, most are on, actually. I just pray your peace here. I pray your peace and I pray your I pray your conviction and I pray your love and I pray your mercy and grace over us today. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.